Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast. My guest this week is the television voice of the Seattle Mariners and occasional number two broadcaster alongside either Aaron Goldsmith or Rick Riggs, former broadcaster and radio voice for Sunday Night Football and football on Westwood One and broadcaster and still from time to time with the Big East Conference. Dave Sims is my guest this week. And if you like what you hear on this pod and this interview, please rate, subscribe, and review the Blind Broadcaster Pod on Apple Pod or your favorite podcast directory. If you have ideas or suggestions for guests that you would like to have on this pod, by all means, please email me, luther.king.tsb at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at king underscore tsb. And if you'd like to try to find me on Facebook, use the email address that I gave you at the top of the intro. Enjoy the interview with Dave Sims. This is a Believe Podcast Network production. Thanks for the time again. Such is the nature of broadcasting. It happens. Yes, sir. And it happened to me once. I had some, when I was at WNBC Radio, <laughs> we had some liners that Ben Scully was nice enough to do. And I was so busy showing them off a week later, I accidentally. I, I blind, you know, I turned to my right, pressed the button, thought I was hitting play. I hit record and erased it. Oy! <laughs> but he was nice enough later in that summer. I was in LA for see family. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew it was coming up. So I arranged ahead of time. And that was the first time I met him. This was probably July, probably August 86. Oh, my. And I told him, I said, you know, those nice liners he had read for from my my partner and colleague, Bud Mishkin, who had come in when the uh, Dodgers had been in early to New York. And it was about seven or eight readers. And he said, yeah, sure. What do you mean? Boom. He knocked him out. We had a nice conversation. And uh, we've had a nice relationship off and on since then. Great. So basically, the word about Vin that everybody has said is basically ditto. Nice guy, very respectful. No, 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 no. I call him his eminence. He's he's the, he's one of the best people I've ever met. On that yeah. conversation, what did you learn from Vin that you still use to this day? Even well, though the fact that I'm doing this with you, I mean, the <laughs> fact that hey, this kind of stuff. I mean, this kind of stuff can happen to anybody at any time. And it's just, you know, the first of all, the reciprocal nature uh, and, and relationship that most broadcasters have anyway. And, and but most importantly, it's the right thing to do. I mean, mistakes happen. And uh, if you got to I have the time, heck, I'm not going anywhere. It's not, I'm not prepping for a game. So, I mean, I've got them available. So it's no, no skill off of my back. So... I know you're getting more family time and things like that, but what other things are you doing to keep yourself from going stir crazy and bonkers? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's uh, I've watched World Series. Just writing somebody back in Seattle. Watch the uh, I've watched uh, World Series highlights of '64 and five. I watched the Babe Ruth documentary, a Bobby Thompson, Ralph Franca documentary. Nice. Uh, I got Blaylo uh, coming on. I've watched some. Uh, yeah, Bird say hello to Bird for me. The, uh, I've, I've watched some, some, uh, Mariner highlights from, what was that? What year was that? That would have been 16. 
the one game one sixty one of the Mariners two thousand sixteen season. Wow. We win. We had been playing for a chance to get uh, to, to get into the playoffs the next day, and we lost that game, and, that, and we were eliminated. So I watched highlights of that. And my wife and I just started uh, rewatching. Uh, was it the Good Fight on CBS on their on demand uh, CBS the pay channel. What else? I've watched that Tiger King thing, which it, I'm watching that, which is totally whacked. Everybody's talking about that one. Tiger Dude, King. that is that is freaking unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, every social media, almost every social media outlet I see is like, oh, did you watch Tiger King yet? Did you watch it? I'm like, what? It's a train wreck you can't tear yourself away from because you just can't <laughs> believe it. This is real, this is real life and it's happening. Uh, what else? Uh, we showed showed my youngest son uh, a classic "I Love Lucy" with Jimmy Demerit, which was recorded, I think, in 1954. Holy smokes! Which was, which was really good. Yeah, I get my exercise in, and uh, you know, I'm reading a lot of news. So, you know, reading the New York Times, Washington Post, see, watching CNN, MSNBC. There's, you know, and you know, like I said, throwing some exercise. My wife has done a great job getting stuff delivered. And, uh, you know, we've had good family meals. So <laughs> you thrive, sir, but we're New Yorkers, man. Pretty tough, pretty tough lot. We can get through this. What was it like working with Mad Dog Russo and the folks when you... I didn't work with him. He was oh, there. Okay. He was... With him. Okay. I worked with Ed Coleman on the midday show, 10 to 2, and uh, Mike and Chris came on at, uh at either three to for a long time it was three to six, three to six thirty, and then it was like two to six thirty. Uh, I get along pretty well with Chris. I've done his high heat show multiple times since I've been uh, doing them since he got that show, and I think he got that show after I'd been with the Mariners a few years. And uh, I get along with him fine. Yeah. I know that when he starts screaming, I scream back and <laughs> tell him that, that uh, where he's where he's wrong, and he doesn't have to go into that whole. You know, we have good conversation, we have, and we have upbeat, very energetic conversations and he is a smart guy he's got he's got a steel cage from memory remembering Mac. you know you know third inning game four 19 whatever you know it's like whoa mine is good but i don't <laughs> I, don't, I don't choose to store that type of stuff he um, is the sports encyclopedia yeah he's he's really good at it he's really good at it so when you got started i'm trying to remember the last one we had the last conversation did you tell me that you there were changes for you to do high school, or were you? Wait, say that again. When you when we had the first interview, did you tell me? Yeah, I heard that part. That when you started at the at the high school level, were there opportunities? No, I started to... writing. I started writing. Uh, okay, I did a little bit of writing. I was a you know total jock in high school. Did some writing. I want to say yeah, it was my senior year because. I wasn't, I wasn't a very good basketball player, but those are, you know, the juniors and seniors on that team, you know, were good guys and friends and, and our, we had had a manager who had, had been a manager. He was a year ahead of us. So he'd been a manager for like three years and he did stats. And he did everything. It was great. But so nobody had that role and they needed somebody to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of like to be a chief of staff type situation. So I did that my senior year and then did some, a little bit of writing and I got, it was my sort of my first taste of the writing, but I always knew I wanted to get into broadcasting. So when you got out of high school, then you did mostly TV for a while. No, when I got out of high school, I went to college. I played one year of uh, football, two of baseball. Okay. 
uh, and then uh, second semester freshman year at Ghana uh, radio, I did a team with a New York kid doing a radio show and then moved into sports. Bob Orr, who went on to have a great career at CBS, was uh, a classmate and he was really good from day one on radio. And I basically followed him. He, he did play-by-play for uh, for what junior sophomore junior years I did play by play football basketball senior year so I got into radio basically I got into radio uh, as second semester freshman so when you did you did you guys do did you guys split off did you guys switch off or was he basically the lead guy and you just basically well he he I did uh, I did some sports trivia shows I did some DJ shows. Mm-hmm. He did mo- he did most of the, if I remember correctly he did most of the sports stuff and then uh, I did I also did what was that that would have been sophomore junior year I did public address announcing for football and basketball oh I know that lot doing PA I did it for three years <laughs> so yeah doing public address announcing is an interesting <laughs> way to get your foot in the door yep yeah, for sure so after college. When did you go to TV and how long did you do TV and when did you get your first PXP job in TV? Um, well, let's see. After college, I was at the New York Daily News for seven years, covered college sports and a myriad of other things, college sports, did some little bit of NBA. Oh, I did NBA. I forgot. Duh. I did NBA, did the Nets, did the Knicks. And then uh, Satellite News Channel uh, came online to compete with CNN, and that was my first TV job, 82, uh, at news. It was the WINS all-news radio format only on TV. Mm -hmm. It was 17 minutes to give you the world. And uh, I did sports updates at 15 and 45, and I did that for a year until it went out of business. Then I went to KYW in Philly, and then I got the job at WNBC Radio, did some fill in at Channel 4. And then, uh, my, uh, let's see, 1990 Temple Radio. I did Temple Radio 1990. Oh, wow. February 1991, 90, I was on ESPN. And I, I, I did college, uh, I did college hoops, a few college hoop games that back into the 91 season, did games in 92. And then, uh, 93, 4 ESPN Regional. Actually, it was, came to ESPN Regional. Big East Network had a uh, did uh, had football, and I was a voice of football there for ninety three, ninety four. Uh, then I what did I do? I did TV anchoring at CBS flagship for three years, starting in ninety five, while still doing some ESPN, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, still doing ESPN at night, and also ninety three and ninety four did baseball for ESPN Major League Baseball. Um, so it, you know, it's it. I don't want to bore you with the, the step-by-step. Of, oh, no, 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 no. This is actually good uh, for me. I mean, you know, one step forward, step sideways, two steps forward. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that that happens. And, and kids in college always want to go from, you know, small market to big market immediately. And, you know, there, some guys have made that jump. Ryan Rucco, born and raised here in New York, you know, mm-hmm. I think his father was a a major domo in an ad agency or TV or something. He's really good. He's really, I mean, I'm, I was still for, uh, uh, seven, uh, what do you call it? Uh, 
open houses, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, up at Fordham. I was invited up to do that. And I remember first year, first or second year I was up there and Ruka, I listened to Ruko's tapes and I was like, whoa, he's good. And then you're, that's bearing out now. He's still on radio and TV and still on a hell of a job. Yeah, I know but, he's doing, uh, I know he does Yankee TV. I know from time to time he filled in for John Sterling on a few games. Yeah, and he does, he does some, he does uh, ESPN women's, uh, does NBA. Uh, a little bit of everything. Yeah, he's good. Good energy. You know, he's, he's, he's just good. So, yeah, I mean, that's my story. And then, you know, I got the, the Mariner job in 07. Uh, yeah, started in 07. Uh, and again, some, you know, so many interconnected stories lead to a lot of these venues. And people will see and hear you and, hey, I like that guy. See if we can get him uh, to work for us. And so that, a lot of that has, has played into not only my career, but I'm sure a whole bunch of other, whole bunch of other people. So when you were doing Big East basketball, Big East football, what were the best and worst venues football-wise and basketball-wise? And also when you did the NFL, like, and maybe the NCAA tournament, best and worst venues and, like, particular reasons why you like them and what could have NCAA been better about the ones. NCAA tournament, you're right on court side, so you got no, no real problems there. NFL, they tend to put, uh, you know, they've had, seems like their regard for radio has gone down, even the radio, uh, national radio companies, local radio mm -hmm. stations pay fees to, pay them fees to broadcast, so they tend to put you in the, in the end zone in the end zone or in the corner or in the end zone looking straight out at the gridiron as opposed to being between the twenties is ideally you want to be between the forties, but if you're between the twenties, you, you know, it's a decent locale. I mean, the, the Cowboys pitch up on the eighth floor in the, in the corner of the end zone. Pittsburgh <laughs> has you in the mezzanine level in the end zone. Tampa Bay has you, it's not quite that bad. It's about the 15 yard line. The best, the two best are uh, New England. You're at the 45 yard. The uh, national radio booth's at 45 yard line, uh, and it's only about 40 rows up. Baltimore's about 30 rows up, 33 rows up at about the 20, about the 30, 35 yard line. That's good. The TV, obviously, they get the best access. Mezzanine right at the 50. And uh, matter of fact, the old Giant Stadium used to be. Oh God, it was tremendous. You were mezzanine level right uh, deck under tv and in kansas city it used to be the same thing you were right next door to tv in the mezzanine level that 30 eh, 40 rows up and the last time i was at kansas city it was about eight years ago and it's up in uh the ionosphere so you know, your <laughs> eyesight has to be really good and or you gotta have a really good monitor to play off with washington is, the redskins is horrible it's underneath it's in the, let's say, the left corner of the end zone, the camera left. Oh. And to see anything diagonally at the other end of the field, the, the either guessing or calling it off the monitor. So, you know, I mean, there's a very, that, you know, those are the vantage points. I mean, there's good, there's, it's like anything in life. There's good and there's bad and there's stuff in the middle. And in New England, I will give New England credit when you know, when you guys did the national broadcast. At least the sound quality was good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I mean a first class stadium. I mean uh, stadia. It's uh, they know what they're doing. And you know Doug Lane's the guy that does our at least when I was with Westwood was doing the uh, engineering. 
he 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 was uh, you know he ran the board and you know he's been doing stuff up there forever doing doing the Red Sox and a whole bunch of things so yeah we we weren't lacking for quality up there. Now, I know you don't get a chance to go to a lot of the National League parks, but when you guys get a chance to do interleague, when you guys get the chance for interleague play, like what are your best and worst from the National League? Because I know you see a lot of the American League parks almost 20 times a year. So I know it's probably good when you get a chance to go to other ballparks. And actually, you know, baseball, they don't generally – they don't really mess with you. They're all pretty much, pretty much the same. I mean, uh, I haven't been to City Field yet. Uh, to have been at the Nationals Park, Citizens Bank. Uh, that is way up. You can reach out and touch the Capitol, the Capitol <laughs> Dome from there. That was like, oh, oh, we need a we need a broadcast box. Oh, we forgot. Same in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a glorious, a fabulous ballpark with a great uh, vista of uh, what river is that? The Monongahela River in down downtown Pittsburgh. And the Allegheny. That's way upstairs. But yeah, but we're on the Monongahela side. Oh wow! The uh, Three Rivers is, is down about another 400 yards, which is almost dead at the point. Looking at the point, oh, together. Um, I like Wrigley. Uh, I mean, the booth is you know 19, 12 specs, but <laughs> it's decent. It's up kind of high, but it's you know it's. I, I like Wrigley. It fits the eye, and the atmosphere is terrific. Uh, Dodger Stadium, uh, whatever the Giants call their ballpark, that's really good. Um, they've gone through I so mean, many. There's no, there's no, there's no real, you know, it's not a wide discrepancy in baseball like you have in, in football. I mean, they they've gone through so many name changes that, with the Giants facility. It used to be Pac Bell and AT and T. Yep. I mean, they yep. they've gone through so many name changes, hard to keep up with them. Yeah, no question. I couldn't. I, I, I think I don't even. I don't even want to venture guess what it is. And I forgot it was AT and T last time I was there. Something like that. I don't know if they've changed it or not again. And I guess with 160 games of baseball, you really don't get to do much football. So I couldn't ask. Well, about- I, I did for. I did. I doubled up from 07 through the 14 season, and. um there were some times I hit the wall there in the football season, mm-hmm. and I was really, you know, when they when they cut me loose, I was really ticked off. But the, the friend of mine told me that any time it proved to be right. And as I got older, they did, you know, they did me a favor because I'm a heck of a lot more rested during the off season. <laughs> yeah, and what you were dealing with before, I, I think before you took the Mariners' job, and you were dealing with everything that went down with your health and everything else, and. Well, that was much later. That was only, that was more recently. That was 2016. Ah. The prostate cancer in mm-hmm. 16, had that operation January 16. And two years ago today, I ruptured my left Achilles. So mm-hmm. I've been, uh, I've been, I've been, been very lucky. Yeah. I, you, you've been a very blessed person, a very blessed person over the years. No question. And I, know, and I know you still coach the Basketball and Beyond show with Coach K. Yeah, we just finished up last uh, last Thursday. We had Dr. Anthony Fauci on. It was an absolute delight. It was nice talking to him, New York guy, and obviously top of his field. It's certainly easily right now the most trusted man in America. Yeah, I know somebody had mentioned and talk, told that they had gotten him on their show 
what or how easy is it to get guests like doctors that are on the front lines dealing with this COVID-19 and things like that? The worst they're going to say is no. The worst they're going to say is no, and we have an advantage with Coach K because Mm -hmm. of who, you know, of his standing in, in the sports world and the world in general, his cachet, his name. Um, I mean, you don't, even if you're not a sports fan, if they tell you he's the winningest coach in college, men's college basketball history of five championships and nationally and internationally renowned, and he's got a 15 year run on radio station to be an idiot not to go on it. So <laughs> hence we were able to get, you know, your, your, a, your A-listers on the program pretty much anytime we want. So, uh, producers are, you know, they're not afraid, and they go and they ask, and uh, if they say no, they say no, and you go somewhere else. When you first met Coach K, what was the exchange, or what were your thoughts when you actually met and talked with Coach K the first time, and then later on when? Oh, God, that was 1977. I was a young kid out of Philly, out of Bethany College in West Virginia. He was the West, the basketball coach at West Point trying to find his own way. He had been with – had played for Bob Knight. I think he had coached with him for a year mm-hmm. at uh, – I can't swear to say at, at uh, West Point. Now, he had to serve no – and, yeah, anyway, you know, he, an army – thinks of army basketball if you think of army anything about sports it's about uh you know blanchard and davis and the, the army teams that played Staubach and you're not thinking of basketball so no yeah, he didn't cre- he didn't you know really make a name for himself they got the duke and and then you know struggled then all of a sudden he burst on the seat and everything started breaking right for him and it made a big name for him i mean it's you know it's all there's a humble guy and you know back you know 1977 i mean we used to have weekly writers luncheons at Mama Leone's at the best college basketball writers. And we'd have Bill, uh, uh, Jim Valvano, we'd have Krzyzewski, Luke Karnaseka, Bill Raftery, Tom Penders, PJ Carlissimo. Those would be, you know, sort of our regulars that would come in and we, you know, notes, quotes, anecdotes, share stories to promote college basketball. And that's <laughs> where all of us became really good friends. And uh, you know, they asked me, his right-hand guy uh, asked me, I want to say, so 15 years ago, so in 05, and my wife and I were down there doing our media media coaching seminar, and they said, hey, do you, would you, Coach K's been offered to show in XM. Uh, do you have any restrictions that would keep you from uh, doing that show? Would you like to do the show? Basically, you know, interact with him, introduce him, let him do the interviews. I said, yeah, we can do that, and boom, 15 years later, here we are, so. Do you still run the company that you still have? And if so, what things are you? No, we don't have, we, there's no time for that with baseball. Once ah. baseball came on the scene, we did that from something like 1999 to 2006. I think the last seminar I did was probably University of Washington in 07, probably on a, on a day off. A Mariner day off or before I went went to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a great run. I mean, we we geez, we did UNLV, Virginia Tech, Connecticut, St. John's, Villanova, uh, GW, West Virginia, uh, Cincinnati, 
the University of Texas. Uh, never forget, Rick Barnes is the coach of Texas. Mm-hmm. He says, listen, we got this one kid I want you to pay particular attention to. Uh, you know, when you do, or I want you to do a one-on-one with him. He's going to be a really good player. His name, Kevin Durant. Yeah, and apparently KD's done pretty well for himself. Yeah, so, you know, we, uh, and we've had, we had two guys, uh, one at West Virginia, one at Pitt, that uh, after they had gone through our, our seminar, a seminar, later on that year, they both won Big East uh, Media Awards. Mike Gansey from West Virginia and Carl Krauser at Pitt, back-to-back years. So, where else did we go out to Midwest? Oh, Purdue. We were at Purdue for uh, a whole day. Yeah, we, we had a good run doing it. It was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of hard work. What were the, or the, I mean, I guess so seminars were basically for the college students, but what did you feel like when you, you know, wanted to figure out what the curriculum was when you did those? Well, it was, you know, it was an hour and a half, you know, usually an hour, an hour seminar, hopefully, maybe even less. The first, the early on might have been 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's probably, I think we boiled it down to 60. And basically, you know, who, here's what the, you know, this is who you are. This is what the media wants. This is what is required to perform well in front of the media. Mm-hmm. You know, proper diction, language, body language, uh, how to uh, evade certain answers, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, you want to you want to present yourself as a brand and a good brand. And the other thing, too, not all you guys are going to make it to the pros. It's less than half 1%. But, you know, these interviews are basically, when, you, when you're when you doing your media interviews, consider them like job interviews because there's somebody out there maybe in your major or in a field that's going to that's gonna see and like you and, uh, you know, they want to invite you over to lunch and to get a, a get-to-know-you type of situation. They want to hire you for his company if you're that impressive. So, you know, those kinds of stuff. You know. And all the coaches you mentioned – um, who was the coach that basically in all those luncheons that kept it loose and entered and kept it entered like uh, pretty uh, pretty much those guys I, I mentioned. I mean, <laughs> they all have great gifts of gab and and uh, a tremendous sense of humor. I mean, Raftery and Balbano at the very top of the list. PJ right behind him. Them, you know, and then Tom Pender's probably next, and then Louie, and then probably. Probably, you know, Mike developed a hell of a sense of humor as he got used to being out in front. <laughs> and uh, it, it was good. There's a lot of, I mean, a lot of these guys, I've worked a, a whole bunch of games with Raftery over the years. I see Louis all the time. I did, a lot, oh, God, I did so many St. John's games as a writer. A lot of St. John's, and I continue, you know, being right here in New York, you know, to do a lot of St. John's games uh, for FS1, that the biggest package is over there. Mm-hmm. PJ and I have done games. We uh, we did um, we've done a bunch of NCAA tournament games. Oh, I listened to a few of those. Uh, y'all, y'all were blast. I tell you one thing, was, y'all y'all were y'all were gold. I mean, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and you know that that's one of those things too, where you know you got the you had a good good personal you know relationship and friendship there, and it makes it easy. It really does. Basically, feeling like you're sitting with your best buddy at a bar and you just oh, absolutely. talk basket. Absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's and that's where, you know, when you do those kinds of gigs, that's basically what you're shooting for. And the same thing. I know you had a good relationship with Bob Trumpy and a bunch of other guys you worked with with 
Yeah, Trump, oh. Jack Ham, James Lofton. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good guys. And I know you had Dennis Green for a little bit. And I think you had. Right, that was just that one game. That was I think I only I only did the one game. I remember I did a game with Dan Reeves. Uh, Jeff Bostic was good. Did good stuff with him. I did the one game I remember. I think it was only one game I did with Dennis Green. It was the game uh, when they reopened the uh, Superdome. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting down there, and he had done some work in helping, uh, you know, to get people back on their feet. I remember taking a tour with them and uh, with some organizers down there, and that was pretty amazing. These people, these people took a beating, man. It was that was it was a shame. Mm. Favorite players you remember and guys you also got to cover that you enjoyed? Well, I would, I mean, I probably had, uh, well, Nelson Cruz would be at the top. I mean, he was with us, what, 15, 16, 17, 18 for four years. Mm-hmm. Great guy, Robbie Cano. You know, it's, uh, for so many years, I was parachuting in and out doing national games, so I didn't really. It's, it's Todd Frazier's a really good guy mm-hmm. uh, now with the Rangers. I mean, there's a, you know, Rod Carew, uh, you know, you know one great with Girardi, Joe Madden, so Mike Socia, you know, to name some managers. I got a good relationship with Mike Trout. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It's uh it's great, you know, and I've been around. Yeah, you know, I'm in both clubhouses every day. So anybody who's been around, they they know I am. They they see me if they have a problem. I've never really had any problems with anybody, but you know, they know I'm not going to be roasting anybody. And uh, you know, just tell me what hey, tell me what's going on. How you feeling? What, how you swinging it? What's going on? What do you have? What are you dealing with? How's the family? And you know, it all builds, you know, adds up in a good anecdotal stuff that you can talk about during the broadcast. And now Dusty Baker's back in manager with the Astros. What do you remember when you? Well, he's one of the best guys I've ever him. met. He's one of the best guys I've ever met, and I met him. I think uh, what's known a Phillies Sunday pregame show. God, that's got to be ninety eight, ninety nine, ninety nine, two thousand when he was managing. I guess he was with the Giants then. I think so. Uh, yeah, he was. It had to have been if they were in Philly. Yeah, yeah so, he was. Anyway, I got to know him, man, and I've seen him off and on. Uh, Cincinnati, and you know, I was looking. That was one of the great things I was looking forward to this year. Mm-hmm. He was in Houston, I you know, I was going to see him nineteen times. <laughs> uh, but you know, I've seen him a couple times. When did I see him? Uh, I talked to you know, I talked to him on occasion. Saw him at a, we were at a outing at the last day of last day of last season. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him, golly, there's somewhere I saw him recently in person. Where the hell was that? Uh, but anyway, I, I, I don't remember. But anyway, he's a good friend. So, you know, those are some of your favorite guys, some of my favorite guys. Do you think so? She's going to get back in at some point? I thought he'd been back by now. I remember calling him probably last year. I remember when he said he was hanging up, he said he wanted to give it a couple of years and get back. And when, uh, uh, Hinch got it down in Houston. Mm-hmm. So you interested in that Houston job? And he sort of, he, we we were at a, a laugh off on on text. And uh, <laughs> he's he's sitting tight. I don't, you know, he may not. He's not that old. He's sixty one, sixty two. If he's 60, yeah, that's about right. Uh, 
you know, Jordy got right back in. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Mike's wife probably wants to move out of Southern California. <laughs> and he probably doesn't want to get too far away from that if he can help it. But I, I, I got to believe he'd like to have one more shot, you know, two, three-year deal. When and if it wouldn't shock me, it wouldn't shock me if he came back at some point. When baseball resumes, who do you? Which one of the managers that you that you know? I know Seattle's probably got a pretty decent team, pretty decent shot with the AL West. Who are the managers that are back in that you've that you're friends with that you may think may have it tough trying to make it a second time around than the first? Maybe. Managers who are, you mean guys who currently have jobs or guys who are looking for jobs? Guys who, guys who currently right now, like at this point, like who do you think? What do you mean? Are they going to have a tough time? What do you mean? Like, I don't know if like season wins, but maybe like. Hey, all bets are off of predictions on baseball this year. If we come back, great. In terms of who's going to do what, hell if I know, nobody knows. Good point. I'm not even, I'm not, you know, at, at this point, if we can just play, I'm happy. And anything after that is great. I agree with that. Uh, in terms of prediction, who's going to do what you can, I mean, if, if you know something, you tell me, because I, I got nothing to tell you. I, I, I just, I just wondered since all the managers, we, all the people we've talked about and the managers that, you know, we discussed and things like that, like the second time, because I, I know baseball hasn't changed in all those years, but. Somehow, somewhere, it always seems like there's one or two managers that have at least a little more rougher than the other ones. Because Matheny's back in in Kansas City, if my math is right. Yeah. Well, anyway, the variables are are totally different. They're they're, they're Mm -hmm. variables we've never experienced. So, you know, there's no answer to that question right now. Good point. I know we talked about Devin Hester, and I know I know you had some memorable calls with him over the watching him over the years. Well, I had one with Frank Kersey at a Miami Louisville game, a Thursday night game, and I remember Coach Kersey said, "Don't kick it, get thrown." They kicked it to him. He took it home. I can remember it. I think there was one. There was one in a Sunday night game in Chicago. He took one back, and then the other ones I remember: Deshaun Jackson against the against the uh, against the Giants. It was memorable. One in particular, uh, it wasn't one of those the miracle, the miracle of the Meadowlands, the part two, but it was in that around the same time, probably mm-hmm. year two or year before or after, and he took one back. I remember a lot. Tips off to pretty much said almost what word for it. The coach had said, hey, "Don't kick it to him." Sure enough, he took it back about eighty yards for a touchdown. I was a game winner. I remember one of those calls. The crowd was so loud; I think it drowned you out. Wouldn't be the first time. I mean, yeah, if the, <laughs> if the, if the, if the either the board out back on 57th Street or the engine, you know, the the engineer, producer engineer right there on site, then write it down. Yeah, that, that can happen. I have no control over that. I understand all. that. I mean, it, it was a good call, but it was just the fact that the crowd was so loud. I'm like, whoa, where did Sims go? <laughs> it was. Yeah, I don't it, it, you know, it's part of business, part of business. And, and, and had you not even said anything about it, I wouldn't even, I, 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 you know, I don't hear all those highlights. So 
some you know I, I notice it sometimes but more often than not i don't i don't even hear those highlights so that's sometimes <laughs> that's news to me well i want to thank you again for giving me the time again because i know you know this was something that i didn't have in mind doing but thank you for giving me the time and hopefully we can do this again and this was a blast yeah uh, you bet luther hey good luck to you man hang in there thank you same to you all right man all right thanks take care be well be well you too